hopping at the hall tonight. Dropping at the hall tonight. Disney's Halloween treat. Creatures on the prowl tonight. Features fair and foul tonight. They'll meet you there to howl tonight at Disney's Halloween treat. And bats and ghosts make most attractive hosts. They're dying for a dance with you. So play that haunting refrain. Hey everybody, welcome to the 14th episode of the Everyday is Howling podcast. I'm your host, Horgai Keenan, uh, here to thrill you and chill you to the bone. Uh, but for this month, I'm just going to dive right into it because we got a lot of stuff for October. Um, wanted to give props to the, the intro that I made so many years ago uh, with the little the, the witch saying boo and the cat screaming is from the Trick or Treat uh, 1952 short that Disney put out. And so I thought I'd pay a little homage to that by playing the... Uh, Disney's Halloween VHS intro for this month's show. Uh, that that VHS came out in 1982, so it was kind of fun trying to find the old uh, converted version that I could put on the show. So that was kind of pretty cool. Um, as always, <clears throat> you can follow us on Facebook at Everyday is Halloween Podcast. We're on Twitter at Hallows Eve 365. Uh, if you want to get in contact with me, you want anything to request for the show or what you'd like to hear, uh, email me at hallowseve365 at gmail.com. Um, so yeah, let's just kick things off with uh, a little bit of news. But first, before we do that, uh, I want to pay special thanks to our sponsors at Dark Candles uh, for sending out some really cool scents this year. Uh, there were things like um, Corpse was a candle fragrance, and uh, there was like Coffin Dirt and these really cool just like undead sense that they sent us and uh they're they're great they're i to this day i still say they're the best halloween candles you can get so head over to darkcandles.com and and grab some stuff for this halloween season uh this show is pretty cool i got uh my old co-host from bloody disgusting tim anderson on the show to talk a little bit about his uh experience out at tiff uh the toronto international film festival and he saw a lot of really good stuff and i'm talking stuff that you know you we've all been really wanting to to see like the witch um hardcore and uh devil's candy and a bunch of other uh films but i'll let him get to that once we get there in a sec um want to give a big shout out to space lab nine records who are releasing uh the walking dead volume one brains and guts uh vinyl edition uh they're going to be out at comic-con uh booth 842 and they're they have a lot of really good uh, original vinyls that they put out um, they put out The Walking Dead Volume 1 a little while ago. This is going to be the Brains and Guts edition that has a lot of pink spilled into the vinyl creating, so it looks really cool. Um, and they also have uh, the Adams Family vinyl that they're re-releasing. Uh, it hasn't been out in like 30 years. It's been discontinued, so they're bringing that back. Um, that'll be out October 16th, but if you make it out to Comic-Con, they're going to have a orange and black splattered vinyl that you can pick up. And these are really cool. Definitely give these things a shot. Go to their website uh, at spacelab9.com. Um, so yeah, a lot of stuff is happening uh, on TV this month. So I figured I'd break it all down for you guys. I told you on the Facebook page that I'd kind of like list everything. There's a lot of stuff to list, so I'm going to try and go through it as best as I can for you all. Um, okay, let me take a drink. We are controlling transmission. If we wish to make it louder, we will bring up the volume. If we wish to make it softer, we will tune it to a whisper. We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. We can roll the image, make it flutter, 
we can change the focus to a soft blur or sharpen it to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit quietly and we will control all that you see and hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your television set. You are about to participate in a great adventure. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to outer space. Please stand by. Good. All right. Here we go. Parasite is coming to Toonami on Cartoon Network October 4th at 1 a.m. If you guys don't know, Parasite is a very sci-fi horror uh, anime that takes a lot from John Carpenter's The Thing, where a guy's hand transforms into blades and has eyes and talks to him. Looks really freaky as shit, but that would probably be uh, the first thing to hit us in October. Um, I've got American Horror Story... American Horror Story Hotel is on FX October 7th at 10pm Fargo is coming back for the second season on FX that starts October 10th at 10pm and of course we have Ash vs. Evil Dead which we've all been waiting for Uh, that's hitting stars this Halloween Um, not sure yet if they're going to release a version first to their streaming members early in the day or if it's going to be a type of thing where it's going to happen at night I'm sure that the airing will happen at night um, but I think there's been rumors that you can hit up the, the file like October 30th at midnight I guess October 31st at midnight so yeah check that out um, AMC's Fear Fest starts today um, so that's pretty cool I have all the listings down on the, at the Facebook page of when things start. Um, I'll kind of run down a little bit of it for you. Uh, we have Firestarter, Pet Cemetery, Stephen King's Thinner, Cujo, Tremors 2 Aftershocks. Uh, let's see. There's more repeats. The Shining, Predator, tons of Fear the Walking Dead, tons of Walking Dead, Jeepers Creepers 2. Uh, of course, you have your Chris Hardwick Talking Dead in there. Uh, so that'll be all month in October. All right, let's see. Moving on, we have ABC Family's 13 Nights of Halloween starts October 19th. Uh, so let's see, what do we got for that? Um, Casper is on there. Uh, that's October 19th. Uh, the Adams Family, Adams Family Values, Harry Potter, The Deathly Hollows, Part 1 and Part 2. Uh, Disney Pixar's Toy Story of Terror, uh, Disney's Monster Inc., uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, Hunger Games is in there because the kids turn into monsters at one point. Yeah, I bet some of you didn't know that. The Haunted Mansion, which is a really bad movie. Uh, <laughs> Freak Out, which I don't know what that is. Beetlejuice. Uh, a bunch of Halloween specials from a bunch of shows I don't really know what they are anymore. Uh, Teen Wolf, Corpse Bride, Dark Shadows, Beetlejuice. Batman, Batman Returns, all the Tim Burton classics, Coraline, Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. So you can just see, yeah, a ton of just uh, horror. Oh, Paranorman's on there. Great. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff coming out from ABC's 13 Nights of Halloween. Uh, moving on, we have Sci-Fi's 31 Days of Halloween starting. Uh, the Last Exorcism, Men in Black 2, I Am Legend, Orphan, Blade, Blade 2, Ghost Hunters... Uh, the Wraith, Insidious, Insidious Chapter 2, The Conjuring, Orphan, uh, more Blade Trinity, Lost Boys, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, I am, uh, I said that, Blade 2, Z Nation, yeah, so The Hollow, kind of all the same things are on for there. And that starts, uh, October 1st, so right now. Uh, Turner Classic Movies, starting October 9th, is gonna start diving into all the scarier classic films. Uh, including uh, Hands of a Stranger, uh, Corruption, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, uh, The Ghost of Mrs. Muir, uh, Clockwork Orange as uh, one of my faves, uh, The Bad Seed, another great one, uh, The Curse of the Cape People, uh, The Fall of the House of Usher, some Vincent Price in there, Frankenweenie, uh, that's going to be the original 1984 version, um, The Picture of Dorian Gray, uh, the Bucket of Blood, Stage Fright, 
Dracula, Prince of Darkness, Frankenstein, uh, Dracula AD, Dr. X, White Zombie, Curse of the Demon. Yeah, the list goes on and on. I'm just going to be sitting here listing stuff all day. Um, so check that out. And then I guess Disney Channel has a uh, Disney Channel Monstober going on. That starts October 1st, today. Um, there's a lot of the Mickey Mouse black and white uh, shorts. Um, some shows that you know they're doing the Halloween specials of. Uh, Return to Halloween Town, if you're into the Halloween Town movies. Um, Twitches, whatever that is. Uh, yeah, so there's uh, a lot of original content over at the Disney Channel for their Halloween stuff. Um, and then, yeah, you have AMC Sphere Fest. You have the shows. Oh, and uh, one thing I definitely wanted to bring up. Nickelodeon is doing a show called The Splat. And it's going to have... Um, they're bringing back Nick or Treat, which if you were a kid in the 90s, it was a show where uh, you would call in and a lucky caller gets to go for 40 seconds through six doors uh, in a neighborhood. And you just knock on. So you say, door number three, and it goes to door number three, and it could just be a trick, and then something jumps out and scares you. And you have to keep going. But one of the doors has a prize in it, or two of the doors has a prize in it. Uh, it's a really cool little, like, really bad animated uh, neighborhood. And it was a lot of fun as a kid because it was live. It happened right then and there. Uh, so it looks like they're bringing that back October 26th. So definitely check that out. So if you're keeping up, this is where it goes. AMC Fear Fest starts today. AMC Family's 13 Nights of Halloween starts October 19th. Disney Channel's Monstober starts today. Sci-Fi Channel's 31 Days of Halloween starts today. TCM starts October 9th. And Nick or Treat starts October 26th. Holy shit, if you have cable, you are set. Uh, <laughs> except for the uh, the commercial breaks, which fucking annoy me, which is why I don't watch half the stuff on AMC. I just watch the stuff from my own collection. Uh, but that's the beautiful thing about DVR. You can also fast forward. Now, let's jump right into Netflix in October. Uh, this is the What's the Watch on Netflix in October edition. Um, October 1st, Curse of Chucky and The Nightmare show up. October 6th, the American Horror Story Freak Show shows up, along with iZombie Season 1. October 14th through the 20th, The Lazarus Effect. And October 20th, 23rd through the 30th, Hemlock Grove Season 3 and Manson Family Vacation. Uh, now, I don't know if these are going to... I'm pretty sure these aren't going to stay until the 30th, or the dates that's just in between, I think, the 23rd and the 30th are going to release those. Uh, also, on Amazon Prime, you get, on October 1st, John Carpenter's Vampires and The Fly. That's the 1958 version. So look for those very soon. By the way, if you want to watch the, the Nick or Treat stuff, you have to turn it into Team Nick, which is now going to be The Splat. So make sure you watch that channel. That's going to have all the little specials, including a bunch of your favorite Nicktoons uh, Halloween specials. Now to the corrections department. Longtime listener RJ uh, Sturkeo, I hope I got it right this time, uh, wrote in about my last show, how I brought up Paul Rudd's first uh, film, which was in Halloween 6, Curse of Michael Myers, and I kind of just said he was the boyfriend, a lot of da da da, whatever. Well, he made sure to tell me that he's Tommy Doyle. The Tommy Doyle from the original Halloween grown up in that movie. That's one thing I completely forgot. It's been a while since I actually sat down and watched that. I'm glad you reminded me that, it, yes, you're correct. That is definitely Tommy Doyle. So thank you, RJ, for not being a dick and correcting me and actually being pretty cool about it. Uh, I'm going to shoot you uh, Halloween at High Noon's new album, Les Mortis Gothic, uh, which is the music that you're listening to right now on the show. Uh, I'll send you an album, and I'll have two more to give away at the end of the show, so keep listening to see how you can get those. Now, as you guys know, I play a lot of uh, different kinds of Halloween tunes and remixes here on the show, um, and I, I always try to push independent uh, creators of, of all things scary and Halloween eccentric, and uh, I had somebody write into me today. Uh, his name's Thomas. Uh, he goes by Gritty. He's on the official Gritty at facebook.com backslash official Gritty, soundcloud.com backslash real Gritty. Uh, thank you very much for writing in, man. I'm gonna we're gonna play a song from your uh, your your album here, um, and we'll get to the interviews right after this. The mask. This mask is no ordinary Halloween mask. This repulsive abomination will stick to your skin, take control of your soul, and bring you. 
evil place where you will never return from again. It's Halloween again and I'm feeling hella hype. I got my trick or treat bag for the special night. I'm trying to go out in style. I got a scary mask. So when I jump off the bushes, I scare your fucking ass. I put my mask on tight and walk down the street. Then go up to the first house for a little treat. I got some candy. Now I'm on the move. I'm scaring every fucking body and I'm getting with the wicked grooves. But then my mask tightens up on my face. I try to take it off a little, but I cannot get it out of place. I'm feeling weird like the shit is really sticking to me. But then the mask on my face starts speaking to me How you doing? I'm about to take it full of you Now get prepared cause we got a lot of work to do Taking me is a decision that you will not regret Cause I'ma give you a Halloween you won't forget This mask won't leave my face tonight This Halloween ain't safe tonight, no I don't think that I'm saying anymore So don't go on a porch if I'm at your front door This mask won't leave my face tonight Sinking into my skin And then my eyes roll back From the power within I start to feel it in my veins And it's feeling good The mask is telling me To terrorize the neighborhood It said it wants blood It said it wants gore It said I gotta leave A couple bodies on the floor I see your family walking down the block I run up on the little kitty And I gave his fucking head a knock The father jumped up quick Like he's the fucking shit But then I cut him with a razor That I had to quit He hit the ground and I caught him again and gave him three more cuts right up under his chin. I gave chase to the wife and caught her ass fast. I grabbed her by the hair and gave her fucking neck a gash. I ran off into the dog screaming and looking crazy. Cause this is just the beginning of Halloween. This mask won't leave my face tonight. This Halloween ain't safe tonight. No, I don't think that I'm saying anymore. So don't go on a porch if I'm at your front door. This mask won't down from the murder scene I got a little blood stain but I'm still clean I'm in the mood for a little something sweet again so I hit another house for a treat again I walk up and I ring on the doorbell the mask is telling me that I'm about to cause hell a little girl opened up with a treat bowl so then I threw her a kick right for a treat hole and then I run in the house yelling and knocking up the brother's running from me so I had to grab him up I grab him by his neck and throw his head into the wall Then grab a knife from the kitchen and stuck it in the skull The mother jumped on my back from out of nowhere I threw her off and I beat her with the wood chair The pops came with a loaded cat to the scene He pulled the trigger and ended my wicked Halloween What are you talking about? We're gonna terrorize the neighborhood Wicked Halloween, Halloween, Wicked Halloween, Halloween, Wicked Halloween, Halloween, Wicked Halloween, Halloween, Wicked Halloween. This mask won't leave my face tonight. This Halloween ain't safe tonight. No, I don't think that I'm saying anymore. So don't go on a porch if I'm at your front door. This mask won't leave my face tonight. This Halloween. Safe tonight, no. I don't think that I'm saying anymore. So don't go on a porch if I'm at your front door. That was The Mask by Gritty. You can check out his stuff at soundcloud.com backslash realgritty and also check him out on Facebook at The Official Gritty. Thanks a lot, man, for sending that over. All I could think about was Carly Beth from the Goosebumps book just dancing her white ass off to that, man. <laughs> it was pretty good. All right, without further ado, let's hop right into the interview with uh, the programming coordinator for the Florida Film Festival, Tim Anderson, uh, and about his Toronto International Film Festival experience. So welcome to the show, Tim. How you been? Dude, I've been great. How you been, man? Been pretty good. Uh, just not nailing out shows left and right here. And uh, I, I know, def- you guys are killing it. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> wanted to hear back from you from uh, Toronto International Film Festival 2015. 
Yeah, I still haven't caught up on sleep, I swear. I'm like, I fell asleep at like 9.30 last night, and then I woke up at midnight and I was up till like 4. God, yeah, you're, I was keeping up with your schedule on that, and you just seemed like you, like, did you get any sleep that entire time? I mean, it was eight days, but the first day and last day were half days, mm-hmm. so it was like seven full days, but day one, just like every day of a first day of a film festival, like, it was like a... 23 hour day i think mm-hmm. i had a i think i did a south by one year where i had like a 29 hour first day oh wow but so yeah like because i got up at like three o'clock in the morning to get to the airport and then i didn't go to bed till like like 2 30 in the morning jeez and then the last day i didn't fly in and get back to orlando till midnight so okay i mean it was like it was a long eight days right because it was the, the the very beginning of day one and the very very end of day two or of day eight. Wow. Um, but yeah, every night at the festival, I went to bed about one thirty in the morning every night, and I got up about 7.30 in the morning every day for screenings. Okay. So. Now, take us through kind of like the uh, Toronto International Film Festival experience. Like, wh- what kind of atmosphere are you in when you get out there? Well, I'm there as an industry member, so that's a little different than how you'd go there as the public. Right. Um, because all of the major... All those red carpet premieres that you see on, like, E-Weekly and Access Hollywood and all of that, mm-hmm. um, you don't go to those. Right. Like, the public goes to those. Like, just a plain movie screening ticket for the general public. And there might be a star there. There might not be. Mm-hmm. But just a plain public screening ticket is $25. Okay. Um, I don't even know what it costs to go to one of those, like, if you wanted to see, like, Black Mass at the world premiere with, like, Johnny Depp there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd, I'd venture to guess it's probably close to $50 a ticket Okay, uh, to go to those screenings. But our screenings are almost all concentrated in the Scotiabank Theater, which is, it's, I want to, I mean this in the broadest sense. It's like going to an AMC, okay. except that it's the biggest, baddest ass AMC type theater you've ever seen. Nice. Like it has a three-story IMAX screen in it. Oh, my God. Did you watch any films on that kind of I saw two films on the IMAX screen, including one horror film, which I'll tell you guys about in a minute. Nice. Um, And it was almost too big. Really? For that kind of film? (laughs) For any film that I saw. (laughs) It was almost too big um, to fathom. But, yeah, and I mean, the theater is amazing, and it has a full bar and full menu and all of this stuff, and Everything's crazy cheap. Like, like popcorn is like three dollars, and like a Coke is like a dollar ninety nine, as it should like, be. As it should be. But like, you can get a, a double decker cooked to order hamburger with bacon, cheese, mushrooms, and gravy, plus fries and a Coke for like twelve ninety nine. Oh wow! That's Canadian. So it, it, the U.S. to Canadian ratio is it. it that's a twenty five percent discount. Because it's seventy five cents American to every one dollar Canadian. Right. So if you spend ten bucks on food at the multiplex in Canada, you're only spending seven fifty US. Lovely. So it's really cheap. Yeah. Um eat there and the food was awesome. I only I only ate little things there, like a bagel was like a dollar fifty and like I had mm. a bagel morning, like maybe a coffee or something like that. because um, there was a whole bunch of good places to eat around the place. Yeah. But, yeah, so basically I'm concentrated there. That's fourteen screens mm. running six each screen runs six films a day it's a lot that's per day per movie and it's for 10 days they screen about 400 films at toronto uh, about half of which are feature films Mm -hmm. so i mean between myself and the person i went with for covering we saw 66 films in eight days okay and you were doing this for the because you're the the program coordinator at the florida film festival correct yeah that's correct gotcha so you're kind of going out there as the industry uh, looking at these films, seeing what you'd want to play at your own theater. You'd be looking at what you want to program for your theater, for regular programming, and also looking at films to program potentially at film festival, uh, if in competition or in special so- slot showcases and things like that. Mm-hmm. All depending on when they're ultimately going to be released. Right. Uh, did anything big uh, get purchased out there? Oh shit! All kinds of stuff got purchased out there. Yeah. What about uh, horror wise? Like the horror wise, the big. I'm pretty sure the biggest sale of the entire festival was to a horror film. Oh, no uh, way. although it's not really a horror film. Um, so the movie is uh, called Hardcore. Oh, the the uh, first person film. It is a first person shooter film 
that stars you from the perspective of the character, first-person mm-hmm. shooter, uh, and also has Haley Bennett in it, who has been in some stuff, and it has Charlotte Char- Copley uh, from District 9 and, you know, all, all the Neil uh, Blomkamp movies. And the really cool thing about it is, just like a video game, you're given the kind of instructions as the character that you would have in a video game. Mm -hmm. Like you might crash land somewhere, and then like you you you, like get a like a beeping, and then you pull out your phone, and the phone pops on, and it's like, "Hi, this is blah 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 blah. You need to get to the blinking dot, you know, and things like that." Mm -hmm. Um, My favorite thing about the movie is that Charlto Copley plays all the main characters that you run into. Oh, great! Anyway, that sold to uh, STX Entertainment, who just released uh, Joel Edgerton's film The Gift. Okay. Uh, and it sold for $10 million. Wow. Uh, which is insane, because this is a very weird movie, and my gut feeling on the movie is that it'll either struggle to even make $10 million at the box office, or it's the next Blair Witch Project. Right, because... It's literally going to make a hundred... It's either going to make ten million bucks or a hundred and fifty million dollars. Right, because I'm sure everybody's seen a clip of the film. The guy, that he kind of teased online, like it always showed like a pair of tits. Um, yeah. And you'd click on it, and it was actually like a really cool action scenario, and I guess that was what kind of like yeah. pushed this film forward, right? This is a super hard R-rated movie. There is an incredible amount of nudity in it, and they probably kill like 600 people in this movie. <laughs> and it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop for one minute. Wow. It is 90 straight minutes of you running. Jeez. I mean, that's something that we've never seen before, especially in cinemas. I mean, they've done first-person shooter moments in movies. Um, I mean, the Doom movie <laughs> did it first, you know, which, of course, since it's kind of the first first-person shooter movie ever anyway. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty awesome, man. I mean, it's exhausting. I don't know if I would go so far as to say it's a completely successful movie, Mm-hmm. But it is a phenomenally amazing cinematic experience. Yeah. Now, did you see that on the, the very large screen? Oh, my God, no. I mean, I think it almost <laughs> gave me a headache just watching it on a normal screen. Yeah. Actually, their normal screens are, are pretty huge to begin with. Okay. Like, they're really, really big. I mean, I did see one movie at Bell, Bell Lightbox, which is the home base of the Toronto International Film Festival. Mm-hmm. It's like a five hundred million dollar theater and unit and, and and development center. Oh wow! Um, and the theaters there are unbelievable. It's like sitting in these plush couches. Oh wow! Yeah, because like, Toronto it just has such a like. I mean, guess what? Over the last two decades, the film industry—not the film industry in general, but like just the film going experience—has gotten larger, hasn't it? Because of this, yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the festival is in its fortieth year this year, but it really has exploded over the last, yeah, probably twenty years. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, there's, I believe, there's twelve theaters that are showing movies. Wow! During the Toronto International Film Festival. And did you have to drive really far to get to these theaters? Or are they all kind of? No, no, they're all within, um, they're all within like a mile and a half of each other. I mean, four of them are within a block of each other. Now, but how, do, like, okay, whenever the film festival's not happening, how do they make money if they're all so close to each other? Well, some of them are not just movie theaters, like The Princess of Wales and, um, I can't think of the name of the other one. These are theater theaters. Um, okay. The Bell Lightbox is just the home of TIFF, and so when it's not running movies... I mean, it's not running the festival. It's running retrospective screenings and special events and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's really not competing with the Scotiabank Theater, which is literally like a block and a half away gotcha. from it and has 14 screens and an IMAX theater that's, you know, three stories tall. Mm-hmm. That would be running like Everest this weekend. Gotcha. Okay. Like, they're not going to be running that at Bell Lightbox. Right. So those Bell giant Lightbox IMAX is sort of like going to the Museum of Modern Art if it had a whole bunch of movie theaters in it. Right. The Pink Floyd laser light show. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, well, let's jump into, like, the horror. What what really kind of grabbed you this year? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I actually, my first day I didn't see any horror movies. But on day two, I saw my the two best horror movies of the entire festival. So on day two, I saw in the IMAX screen The Witch. Oh, I, this looks really good. So, The Witch is... 
first of all, on the IMAX screen, I really mean it. It was almost like too much, especially because this is like, it's such a visual movie. Mm-hmm. This movie is so intensely stylistic um, that I, I was almost like blinded by it. Oh, wow. Um, it commits fully to the era, and I don't know exactly the year it takes place because it doesn't specify, mm-hmm. but X... Assume you're looking at it taking place in about 1670 or 1680 in New England. And it's all on this farm, and there might be a witch in the woods. There might not be a witch in the woods. The girl might be possessed. She might not be possessed. It's just more or less about how this family unit is completely disintegrating. And it commits completely to the era, so all the dialogue is like very, you know, antiquated. Okay. Um, almost like if you can imagine, like that kind of fateful adaptation of the Scarlet Letter, like level of like dialogue. Gotcha. So, and it's not overly gruesome, although it's definitely got some bloody moments, and it's it's it's. It's beyond atmospheric. It's right. just like a, it's an experience that envelops you, and it's phenomenal. It just creeps you out, kind of, rather than like terrifies you. Yeah, it definitely, and it and it, and it fascinates you. It's so so well made, and the performances are so good. Um, and it's going to get released in uh, spring of next year. Uh, I'm probably on a full theatrical run because A24 bought it. Okay. Um, they bought it actually before it premiered. Oh he, wow. Um, but it wasn't his first screening. It actually had already had a screening at Sundance. Gotcha. So um, and, uh, Robert Eggers, his films have always been kind of like that in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very stylistic and um, um, period pieces. Yeah, I just it's it was a wow moment. Like if you get to see it, see it in the theater in October 9th. Um and I can't recommend it more. Um, I saw the final girls. Oh, how was that? And I think it's hilarious. <laughs> and one of the things that's really interesting about going to these kind of industry screenings, especially at an event like TIFF, is that the industry audiences are there, that are, are there are only film critics, buyers, festival representatives, or people that already wor- are working in the industry in some respect and are just, you know, hanging out. Mm-hmm. They're notoriously not overly excited about anything that plays. <laughs> I mean, meaning that there's no laughing, not a lot of usually a lot of laughing, not a lot of claps or cheers or anything like that. Yeah, that you would see in a movie at a festival like say South by Southwest, where everybody's like just amped up on the fact that they're at the movie theater. Yeah, um, the final girls, people were cracking up, they were cheering, they were applauding. I was like utterly like amazed at how much actual action this movie got. Yeah, and there's a lot of star power behind this film too. Yeah, it's got everybody in it. It's got Malin Ackerman and Tasia Farmiga. It's got uh, Nina Dobrev. It's got the dude from Silicon Valley. Is it? He's mm-hmm. in Silicon Valley. Um, yeah, Thomas Middleton. It's got the guy who's on. Yeah, Thomas Middleton. It's got. It's got the guy from Bum- Bumper from Pitch Perfect. Yeah, yeah, and, the um, workaholic kid. <laughs> yeah, and who else? I mean, there's a lot of people in this movie, and we- the concept on it is very simple. It's just that like. <clears throat> They are sucked in... You, you, I mean, the, the trailer gives it all, most of it away. They're sucked inside this horror movie that that they're seeing um, because Tossie Farmiga's mom is Malin Ackerman and she's dead mm-hmm. in real life. And then she gets sucked into the horror movie that her mom starred in when she was like 20-something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now they have to get out of the horror movie, but obviously there's a whole other thing going on in here where, like, in the horror movie, Malin Ackerman character dies because she's not the final girl. And now Tossie Farmiga is like, you know, kind of, you know, stuck with this idea that she's now trapped in a movie. She's getting to see her mom who she hasn't seen in, you know, years. And she's going to die in the movie, too. Uh-huh. And so what happens? And then the whole point is, you know, got to get out of the movie. Right. And it's it's really funny. It, it plays with all the conventions that you would expect from any normal horror movie. Um but it does it in, in, in a way that's really, really hilarious, and all the characters are really super likable, and, you know, they make fun of the fact that characters in horror movies are completely stupid because, you know, and they, they think they're above it all because they're in a horror movie. Right. Um, and it does, it does it better than... It, it's the best of its kind, in my opinion, since Scream. Like, oh. to kind of deconstruct a horror movie. Mm-hmm. 
while still kind of sort of being a horror movie. Would you say Cabin in the Woods kind of did that? Yeah, Cabin in the Woods does it, but Cabin in the Woods does it in such a totally different way that it's Mm. hard to say that Cabin in the Woods is really um, deconstructing horror. It's more as as much as it is sort of satirizing it. Right. I mean, to me, Cabin in the Woods is, it's almost not a horror movie either. It's almost almost a sci-fi comedy. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... in a way, it's it's not poking fun at horror movies in the same way that this is doing it. This is the characters... This is asking you the same thing that kind of Scream did, which was that if you were in a horror movie, how would you behave? Right. So, Scream does it in a very linear way, which is says if the horror movie was happening... If what was happening in your real life was tantamount to what would happen in a horror movie, how would you act? Mm-hmm. And Final Girls takes it a step by further by saying if you were actually sucked into a horror movie that you knew how the movie worked and how it ended, how would you get through the movie? Right. You know, because this is a movie the guy who's in it, Toss Middleton's character, has seen the movie like a hundred times. <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> great. Everything that's going to happen in the movie before it happens. But there has to be twists and turns for even him being yeah, in the are, film. Yeah, there's a lot of really, really great twists and turns. Um, and yeah, I liked. It. I mean, I I really liked it a lot. And they were actually really my two favorite horror movies. But I saw some other phenomenal stuff. Well, what else did you see that really caught your eye at the show? Um, gosh, a few years ago at the Florida Film Festival, we produ- we we uh, programmed a film from Turkey called Baskin, which was this crazy movie about these cops that go into this sort of like abandoned building, and then it's essentially like wreck. Almost um, this in a very short period of time, where there's like the craziest shit ever is going on in the building. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, this is an expansion of that mythology. It takes a little while to get going. You definitely get a lot of background on the cops, but it has a really great kind of like cyclical thing that occurs in the movie. And you get a little bit more of the story, which is like in this one they go to an abandoned police station, and it sort of like descends. As they go down in the levels of this police station, it sort of is like is like descending into hell. Oh wow! Um, it's really good. I mean, it's not phenomenally great, but really, really cool movie. Mm-hmm. And um, I think IFC bought Baskin. Yeah, that seems like a film they would buy. Yeah, it's very close to kind of an IFC Midnight type of movie. And it's a it's from Turkey, correct? It is. It's from Turkey. Okay. Um, uh, it, before we keep going, what was the, who bought uh, Final Girls? Final Girls is owned by um, I'm going to get the name wrong. Stage Six Entertainment. Oh, okay. Uh, and they're releasing it directly the theaters and VOD on I believe on October 9th. Very so cool. it's not going to you're not going to be able to go see it at AMC or Regal type of places because it's a VOD title. Mm-hmm. But it'll have some theaters and it probably no more than you know a couple hundred. Mm-hmm. Um. And I would say for sure that, like, if there's any theater anywhere near you that's playing it, see it in the theater. Don't, you know... I still have this thing about VOD, which is... VOD is super cool. Mm -hmm. But if there's a chance to go see a movie like this in the theater and show people that there's a support for it, you should go see it in the theater. Right. Or else these films will just keep going on demand. Well, that's exactly right. If you keep buying the VOD title on VOD, they're going to keep sending it to VOD, and it ultimately it hurts the theatrical experience mm-hmm. um, on these movies because they say that they know there's no market for them. But if you can show that there's a market for it, and It Follows is a prime example of that, because their whole plan was to release it on just a few screens for one week and then go VOD like two weeks later. Mm-hmm. And because of the amount of people that went and saw it on those couple of weekends, it got a thousand screens and no VOD release for, you know, like four months. Right. And it ended up making $14 million, which they would have probably made just as much, if not more, on VOD because they have no none of the distribution expenses. Right. But ultimately it looks really, really good for, you know... That guy, that his movie got released and it did as well as it did. Yeah, and a film like Final Girls is kind of a film that you do want to see with a crowd and you get those it reactions. Does. You're going to get that experience. Yeah, because it's funny how like, you don't, it's it's kind of like laugh tracks where you don't want to be told when to laugh, but you want to feel okay when you do laugh so you're not just kind of chuckling in your seat by yourself, you know, at oh, home. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, gosh, so what else did I see? I saw uh, Osgood Perkins, who's the son of uh, Anthony Perkins. Uh, I saw his film uh, February. Okay. Super atmospheric, super creepy. It stars uh, Emma Roberts and um, 
always going to kill her name, but it's like Kiernan Shipkin. Shipka? Shipka? Yeah, from yeah. Mad Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it stars the two of them, and then it's got Lauren Holly in it and James Remar, but they're just in sort of like side-supporting characters. Okay. Uh, and it's two girls left at an all-girls boarding school, and they've got to stay there um, over this long weekend while they're waiting for a parent to come pick them up. And then there's a secondary side story where Emma Roberts is escaped from some kind of an institution, and she is making her way hitchhiking to a town that's near this school. And the movie is just very super atmospheric, super duper creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has a kind of great little like two second homage to Psycho in it, which I love that Osgood Perkins did a homage to Psycho. Yeah. His sort of like, you know, major directorial debut. <laughs> um, that's, and that it's takes just guts. really cool. And again, it's one of those movies where like not a lot happens in it, but it's really engrossing, and the payoff is super fantastic. And I know that um, Brad was up there, Brad Miskar, former boss at Bloody Disgusting, and we'll talk yeah. about him in a minute. But he get he saw it, and he totally he gave it five stars. Oh wow! Which I can't even remember the last time. In I mean, it's been years, I think, since he's given a movie a five star review. Yeah, um, seriously. And it's super creepy and it's super weird and it, it distribution for it sold as well and I actually I think maybe A24 bought that as well. Okay. So you can expect some kind of theatrical release on it also. Man, what is with Emma Roberts getting casted in boarding school things? Yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> well, this is a fairly different Emma Roberts role, I will say that much. Right. Nobody from Glee had anything to do with her. No, in this. no, no, no. And there's nothing humorous about it or winky or nudgy or anything like that very cool very deadpan very serious film yeah all right so quickly then i saw the devil's candy which is sean byrne his new movie okay stars uh sherry appleby and ethan uh embry okay yeah and, and i think uh, sean, yeah he was else in the loved ones yeah he directed the loved ones okay and it's just like it's like a heavy metal bloodbath it's like demon <laughs> nice. possession movie in a house in the country, and it's like it's the soundtrack is all like Slayer and Metallica. I kid you not. There's a whole thing where like you have to play this flying V guitar at like extreme volumes to like keep the devil out of your brain. Holy crap! It's a lot of fun. It's a super fun movie, and actually, a real there's really nothing that I saw horror wise that I didn't like except for one movie. Well, that means uh, everyone's stepping up their game, and that's what we've needed in the horror genre. Like well, Midnight Madness at TIFF is is a real interesting program because it is highlights of just some really phenomenally good horror movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were some mediocre stuff too, and I'll mention some of that. Um, and some of it wasn't in Midnight Madness; some of it was in what is called the Vanguard program, which is where February was at. Mm-hmm. Um, and The Witch was just was not in either of those programs. The Witch was in like a spotlight. Gotcha. But. Um, Vanguard is where uh, Baskin was at, I believe. No, Baskin was in Midnight Madness, I think. But um, but February was in Vanguard, which is all kind of a little more of an extreme program uh, in, in all segments. Gotcha. Um, so I saw Demon, which is an Israeli film. Uh, wasn't a real big fan of that, but basically it's a possession movie that takes place during a wedding, and it's just too much at the wedding. Uh, why would people the, stay at the wedding if there's a that's demon the whole happening? thing there's almost a comic element to the way they're handling the continuation of this drunken polish wedding <laughs> um while this while the groom is completely possessed um that's interesting <laughs> yeah um and uh uh i saw southbound which is the new film uh, produced by Brad uh, and okay. has a segment directed by Dave Bruckner, who did The Signal. It has a direct segment directed by Roxanne Benjamin, who is the producer of the VHS movies. Okay. Um, and this is her directorial debut. And it also has a segment that is directed by Radio Silence. Uh, and then I forget who directs the fourth segment. And the big difference between this and the VHS movies, and I actually really like this, is this plays out like a really fucked up episode of The Twilight Zone. Um, and it's interconnected stories, all shot cinematically. There's no handheld nothing. There's no found footage anything. Mm-hmm. It's a real movie. And they're, all the segments or characters are interconnected in one way or another to another one of the segments of the movie. Nice. So you are getting a fully developed bookend You're film. You're getting a fully developed movie with a kind of almost a wraparound that begins and ends the story. 
because the first story, which you think seems real short, is only because you saw half the story. You're going to get the whole rest of their story of the first people later on down the line. Nice. I thought it was really cool. Would you say VHS was almost kind of like a beta test for a film like Southbound? I mean, I wouldn't know so far as to say that because VHS is each segment is individually was pitched and, you know, and the only the ten, most tenuous thing that holding them together. Mm-hmm. Where this is a fully realized story yeah. where they've segmented out the directorial Day, you know, kind of duties. Gotcha. So more or less like like a trick or treat kind of thing, where everything yeah, kind of works together. That's a perfect analogy. It's very much like trick or treat, where it is a specific story, but that story has something to do with something that either happened in the story that came before it, or it's going to have something to do with the story that is happening at the end of it. Very cool. The Dave Bruckner segment, which is the third segment in the movie, is phenomenal. One of the best pieces of like 20 minute pieces of horror i've seen in years oh wow um and then really i i I hate to end on a disappointment but i (laughs) just i did see the girl in the photographs which is the film that is produced by wes craven was developed by him he sat in the editing room with the director and helped him get this movie put together and it was just kind of disappointing i wasn't a super big fan of the girl in the photographs Man, uh, yeah. I haven't heard that they've sold any distribution on that yet, so I'm sure that they will. It's Wes Craven's final thing he's really had his hands all over, but mm-hmm. a little bit disappointing there. That's a bummer. I'm sure he didn't think it was going to be his last project either, so it's not like... No, no, of course not. I think he had several things in development. Yeah. And, I mean, throughout the rest of the festival, I saw another, you know... I mean, I saw 33 movies myself, so I saw some other stuff with some definite kind of horror-type influences in it, mm-hmm. some suspense in it. I saw Gaspar Noah's Love which is completely insane. I saw Guy Madden's The Forbidden Room, which is sort of like a silent movie with massive horror elements in it as well. Um, and I like a few other things. I mean, they, you know, were also super weird. Like, um, Gaspar Noah's wife made a movie a few years ago called Innocence that I really loved, and she made a movie this year called Evolution, which made a bunch of people's lists. And it was best described as Eraserhead Underwater, that's probably <laughs> fairly accurate, except that it just didn't seem to kind of hold my attention the way that, like, Eraserhead did. Uh-huh. Uh, but it definitely has some phenomenally grotesque imagery in it. And, I mean, there, like I said, the Eraserhead Underwater is a probably fairly accurate description of it. Mm. It's just that I would hate to oversell it if you really love Eraserhead like I do. Right. Because I think it's nearly as successful. Which is too bad, because I thought her last film, Innocence, mm-hmm. which was made about ten years ago, is a, man, is just a super awesome movie. Cool. But yeah, that's it. I mean, I probably saw more, but it's hard to remember what it all was. Right. I mean, I definitely missed some horror stuff along the way. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I forget. There was another one that was kind of pretty big that they were talking about out there. Um, I oh, can't it was Green Room. Green Room, yes. Yeah, Jeremy Saulnier's Green Room. We actually went to the opening night party for the movie um, and all the cast was there. Patrick Stewart was there, and Jeremy was there. And Jeremy had played at the festival years and years and years ago with his very first short film. And we also played Murder Party at the festival. Nice. Uh, so we kind of got an invite to the party and got to you know chance to say hi to him and see how everything was going. And um, yeah, actually walking up the stairs into the party, um, I almost ran into um, Imogene Poots, who started <laughs> the movie as well um but yeah all the cast is there so she was there and ali shawak was there and uh and macon blair who of course has been in all of jeremy's movies and star of blue ruin and star of murder party mm-hmm. now um, would you say this is a, a show that you'll definitely attend next year or would you rather try to like switch off the south by again I won't switch up to South by because I can't do it. Is South by goes on exactly during the launch party for the Florida Film Festival. Ah, gotcha. Uh, but what I will do is I will go to Toronto again next year. Um, but um, I'm also going to try to go to Fantastic Fest next year, which is a festival I've never been able to actually get to. Lovely, and I've heard that's almost like the best kind of show. Like, there's only like one really big party, and it's more or less about the films themselves. Yeah, I mean South by. I mean Fantastic Fest is pretty nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they used to joke that it was the Telluride of horror, but Telluride has kind of slipped in a few last few years. Yeah, everything that's going on right now is you know. The thing is, is Toronto is going to premiere these as, as big as Fantastic Fest has gotten. Almost all these movies that played at TIFF are going to play Fantastic Fest as well, mm-hmm. but they premiered at TIFF. 
Right. Um, so, like I think almost everything I just mentioned basically is playing also at Fantastic Fest. But Fantastic cool. Fest pulls in another, you know, 50 movies on top of that. Mm-hmm. So they're definitely not, you know, they're definitely not shirking their duties and finding new new films. Right. <laughs> but Midnight um, Madness is probably the place to go to find the newest horror movies, you know, first. Yeah, plus you have, what, Rue Morgan's right down the road from there, right? Yeah, yeah, actually, and I saw um, um, uh, Dave Alexander at the Final Girl screening. Uh, oh, wow. Did you talk oh, to him about his ending of Fangoria? Did he ever mention no, that? No, no, I actually only talked to him for about two seconds because he was with uh, Mitch Davis, who runs Fantasia, mm-hmm. and Mitch Davis and I had a, we had to meet up um, a couple of times, and I had really been looking forward to meeting him and talking to him about Fantasia. Fantasia ended about a month and a half ago, of course, and they're in Montreal. That's two and a half weeks long, um, and there's something like 400 genre films you know, that play in Fantasia. Uh, and yeah, I, so I did run into both of them at um, that, and I did see Dave later at um, at the South by Southwest party, but never got across the room to talk into him. Gotcha. So. Yeah, I can imagine those rooms are just massive with thousands of people. It's very complicated. I mean, the South party wasn't huge mm-hmm. um, because it's a private party, but it still was pretty busy and it was pretty hard to get across the room. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's cool. Uh, I was going to ask you, for uh, the Enzian here in Orlando, what do you have pegged for October? Good Lord, man. You should have re- given me a prep on that so I can <laughs> it all up. All right, so here's the deal. Um, first of all, all the information is on enzian.org. But we are starting off on the first Saturday of the month at midnight, and we are playing Scream uh, as a tribute to Wes Craven. Okay, so then on Wednesday night, uh, the 7th, they're doing a free screening outside on the lawn of the faculty. Um, Very cool. In Winter Park, on the lawn there, they're showing Thing from Another World on October 8th. Uh, on October 10th in the theater at noon, they're showing uh, The Original Haunting. Uh, midnight on October 10th is Scanners. Uh, a 35mm print on October 13th of Shaun of the Dead. Very cool. Um, for cult classics. Uh, we're doing a Christopher Lee tribute on October 14th for free on the lawn. Uh, and showing Dracula, Prince of Darkness for the Hammer. Oh, awesome. Uh, at midnight on October 17th in the theater, we're showing The Descent. Then on October 21st, again, another free show on the lawn is Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. The oh. only other Nightmare film besides New Nightmare later on that Craven actually wrote. So I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, he co-wrote it with Frank Darabont. What? And yeah, there's somebody else as the writer on it, too. There's three writers on this movie. I forget who it is, but one of them's Dar- Darabont. And he was really young then. Craven, and I forget who the other person is. Yeah. Um, midnight on the 24th, we are showing The Howling. Uh, we're having a kid's Halloween party on the 25th and showing Monster House. Cool. On October 27th, cult classics, 35mm print, and Jill Whitlow will be in attendance Hell yes. for Night of the Creeps. Oh, man. Everybody put on your uh, members-only jacket and your mustaches. And buy your ticket in advance, because I hope it sells out. Um, Wednesday night, right before Halloween on the 28th, we're showing Beetlejuice. Um, Then there's a free Halloween party on Halloween, where they're showing outside Night of the Living Dead. And then at midnight, in the theater, they're going to show Motel Hell. Oh, cool. And then, as a wrap-up, the next day, at noon... Um, they're doing a science on the screen program, which is a kind of like a side program the NZN does. And Dr. Lana Williams from the UCF Anthropology Department is coming before the film to talk about mummies. And we are going to show the 1932 mummy for, cool. for the Day of the Dead. And I believe because the Mummies of the World exhibition is going on at the Science Center, mm-hmm. I believe the Science Center is bringing some mummy artifacts or something as well to the theater to show. Will these be the first dead bodies that have ever entered the Enzian film? Maybe, maybe. Area? I don't know if they're actually bringing any actual <laughs> mummies. Okay. Um, but it is in conjunction with the Science Center's Mummy of the World exhibition and um, an anthropologist from UCF will be here to talk about mummification, I guess. Maybe a little demonstration for somebody. Maybe they'll kill somebody on the stage. 
But I think it's super cool that we get to play the classic mummy on the Day of the Dead as sort of a wrap-up from Halloween. Yeah, it's like you feel like Halloween's over on November 1st. It's always a somber day, but, you know, that's yep. a way to keep keep it alive, keep it kicking. Absolutely. Um, and then the only other horror thing that's really coming up after that is for fun, for Christmas this year, we're showing the remake of Black Christmas for free on the lawn in December. Oh, wow. That'll um, be Which is just kind of fun to play. Yeah. Uh, for everybody, because we actually can't get the original Black Christmas because nobody can find out who hung, who has the rights for it right now. Oh wow, it's just kind of in limbo. It's kind of in limbo, huh? So, you guys oh, serve? and I guess if you're hearing this before this Friday night and Saturday night at midnight, um, Turbo Kid is playing. Oh yeah, right. This weekend, the twenty Friday and Saturday night at midnight. I'll be on Saturday night because Friday night I got tickets to see Motorhead. Yeah, it's a lot of fun and lots going on. Um, and we're trying to keep it, you know, exciting all the time so well sweet well i hope to have you back on uh the next time you go out to a show and, and get some things set for the Enzian. yeah absolutely i'm so happy to come on and talk about it i mean like i said i saw so much stuff and none of it was really terrible so it's like the so trip was exciting. worth it so yeah for sure absolutely worth it sweet all right tim well thanks a lot for coming on the show and we'll hope to have you on soon awesome thanks for having me you can follow tim over on his twitter page at textmassacre all right, guys. Well, this is the part of the show where I'm going to look at giving some things away, which was the very awesome uh, Halloween at High Noon album. Uh, their new album just dropped. It's called Les Mortes Gothic, and I have two copies to give away. Um, and it's very simple. All I want you guys to do is write in and tell me what your favorite Halloween costume was as a kid. Um, this can be ranging from anything. Uh, and, yeah, I just want to hear some of your favorites, and I'll shoot you over a link that they were gracious enough to supply for us. Um, and if you want to get those to me, that's at hallowseve365 at gmail.com. No reviews this week on the show, sadly, but mid-October, Emily and I will be back to give you guys a whole rundown of a bunch of horror movies that we've seen that we want to review, including The Editor, Cooties, Tales of Halloween, the Rocky Horror 40th Anniversary, the Complete Dexter series, and so much more. Uh, that'll be in the next show later in October. Um, but thank you guys for listening. I'm going to leave you guys with a little bit of tunes by Wednesday 13. I'd also like to thank Wizard World and Con Radio for sponsoring the show and uh, getting new listeners in every month. You guys are freaking great. Uh, make sure to go out and get a Halloween Whopper because those things are fucking excellent. Um, and just stay scary, guys. Happy Halloween.